Hey there, Jen here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know that our newest Miracle Month kicks off on Monday, May 6th. The theme of this Miracle Month is becoming a master of your life. If you have not joined us yet, now is the time. It's only a four-week program, The Miracle Month, and we will be together four weeks in May. 2024 is flying by. Let's make sure that you're moving forward, taking positive steps to creating and reinventing the next version of you, and making some positive new beginnings for a brighter, happier future. Go to widow180.com forward slash Miracle Month, and you can learn more about the Master Your Life program. This is four weeks of group coaching, whether you're brand new to widowhood or you lost your spouse years ago. This program is for everybody. We will be going over important concepts for rebuilding your life after loss, like how to get motivated about life again, feeling more confidence, making meaning of your life, coping with change, finding purpose, being more resilient, breaking through fear, and building a life that you want. These are all the things that we talk about in the Miracle Month. We talk about attitude and mindset and emotional well-being. If you know you want more, you know you are ready to embrace life again, you are ready to welcome in joy and happiness into your life again, then this Miracle Month program is for you. Each week, you get a new workbook to use during our time together on our live Zoom calls. Head right now to widow180.com forward slash Miracle Month. You can find all the information there. We start Monday, May 6th, so do not wait. That's widow180.com forward slash Miracle Month. Now let's get into the show. Welcome back, listeners. Today's interview is with the lovely Kaylee Sakai, fellow widow, mom, and author. She's sharing her journey through widowhood, how she survived, and how she's transforming her life now and moving forward. Thank you so much, Kaylee, for being here today. Thank you for having me. Um, well, can you please just start by telling us a little bit of your widow story and how did you become a widow? My, um, my husband, Ken, um, was uh, diagnosed with uh, glioblastoma in September uh, 2019. And it was um, really soon after a trip we had taken where he was, uh, we were flying back and he was reading on the plane to the kids and was having trouble forming words. Um, mm. After that, um, they discovered that he had a grape-sized tumor in his uh, left temporal lobe and uh, immediately had to um, do brain surgery to remove it. Um, he was a marathon runner and in really good shape. So he, he did really well in the recovery after the surgery and also in the chemotherapy and the radiation that followed. Um, he was able to work. He was able to even run small distances. He was able to do a lot of things for, um, for about... 16 months after he was diagnosed. Um, but glioblastoma is one of the most um, uh, difficult of all of the brain cancers. And so even after trying a lot of different chemotherapies and in trying to investigate other options, um, it eventually, um, it, it caught up to him. And so um, in the year 2021, um, we started to see a very quick uh, degradation of his abilities and um, just a very downhill trajectory um, after being, you know, somewhat hopeful that he might be the one person or, you know, one of the few people who was able to beat it. But um, so finally in about April of 2021, we had to engage hospice and, mm -hmm. um, and 24 by seven caretakers in the house here. 
Um, and then um, at the end of May, he eventually did pass away. Um, so that is the very quick version of that story. Right. But um, how old was he? He was 50. He wasn't actually, he was almost 52. Okay. So diagnosis was at like at 50 then? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's really interesting because I think, um, you know, for someone who's so healthy and someone who doesn't, you know, who didn't really go to doctors a lot and didn't really take medicines or things like that, it was just such an abrupt shift to suddenly be kind of someone who has to have all of these scans and has to be, you know, getting chemotherapy and um, just, it was a huge, um, you know, turn of, of events uh, for Ken. But he, you know, the fact that he was so healthy to begin with, he he did well at the beginning. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of hope at the beginning too, where you think like there's this huge grab bag of chemotherapies. There's a lot of options that seem to be on the table. And there's also, you know, clinical trials that we thought might be mm. possibilities. But of course we went right into COVID. So then a lot of that also oh, changed like the trajectory of what we were doing too. Yes, um, yes. So that, so t it was September of 2019. He started mm -hmm. the treatments pretty much right away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. then, and then going into 2020. I, yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> um, Man. Yes. So the, you know, the, the main thing to, 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 to acknowledge is that, um, you know, glioblastoma is one of those cancers that, um, it's, it's extremely fast moving. And so that's why um, there was this thought like, oh, we have to try a lot of stuff as fast as we possibly can. Mm -hmm. There was even a, a possibility of a second surgery um, proposed to us, an awake surgery to help maybe save his language because most of the, of the tumor was housed in his language centers, um, which actually was in some ways like a benefit because it didn't affect his motor skills, his, his judgment, um, memory, any of that stuff. So it was just in the language. So, you know, language you can actually compensate for, but, um, but it was one thing that started to start to leave him. And so um, with this proposal of doing a surgery, it also meant that, okay, now what does that get us? What does that get him? Does that buy him yeah. time? Does that actually help? But it also was on the precipice of this Disneyland trip that we were going to take as a family. So it was on the precipice of a Disneyland trip we were about to take. And I, with Ken, we're trying to decide, should we do this? It, does this make sense? Because mm -hmm. if, if you do the surgery, you can't do anything. You, you can't, we can't go on trips. You can't go on rides. You can't, mm -hmm. um, you know, do anything that you enjoy. And so it's that scary thing of like, are we going to make the right decision? And so we did make the decision to forego the surgery. We went on our trip had an amazing time, you know, had a, a great memory that we have with our children and, and our friends. And so like, but it's only in hindsight that you know that that was the right thing to do. Right. It's so scary to be trying to make these decisions as you're going and just thinking like, if we get off the path, if we make a wrong turn, how is this going to fundamentally change? And, and maybe like, I don't know, make things worse. I don't know. So it right. luckily was the right thing. Oh, I'm so happy that you have that memory. Yes. That's what you can cling to, you know, yeah. that's, that's so important. I mean, yes, you're right. It's the what ifs and, and if we do this, then this, and you can go down that path just forever. But I think you made the right call. I think you did. Yeah. I mean, 
you, yeah, that's forever going to be this amazing memory for you guys. So, um, and as okay, a widow, so- you, you constantly do that. You think about like, am I doing the right thing? Especially when you're going through an illness like this, it's, um, this constant, um, you know, checking, like, you know, are, are we, are we on the path and, um, did I do that right? And even now, like I think about it too, which is, you know, that there's nothing I can do about it now, but I just find that that happens. That creeps in sometimes. Oh yeah. Yeah. All of it, all of the, the what ifs. Um, so at the time of the diagnosis, did you end up getting some help and guidance right away? Like how to handle that part of it for you and the kids? Um, you know, who did you turn, turn to for that? Um, what's really nice about um, the different um, agencies and hospitals here in Seattle is that there are um, established um, organizations that help with cancer specifically. So they have social workers and different kinds of, um, uh, I would say like care organizations that help yeah. kind of embrace families. And um, so right away, the uh, social workers engaged us. And I was really curious about, um, you know, how to do this with children, because my kids at the time were seven and 10. And um, so the other thing that I immediately knew that I should do is establish uh, therapy for both of them. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know what what would exactly happen. But I was just like, I, we all need therapists. And so we're all going to get their counseling. And so yeah. that I also put in place right away. Um, and I think um, ultimately there are, you know, hospice does have some elements to it, which was later on, but, um, but, you know, I, I also, I was really careful or we, we both were really concerned that we didn't want to upset the kids' life when we didn't know a lot. So at the very beginning, we weren't really sure what was going to be happening. We had, we had this hope that again, that he would be that one, one in a million who might be, you know, who might exceed the expectations. And so we thought, let's not disrupt their lives by like alarming them with something that they may not be able to really right. process at this point. Cause we were having trouble, trouble processing it ourselves. Yeah. Um, so we kind of, we obviously told them the truth. Like daddy went into the hospital. He had to have an operation. He's getting treatment, but like, you know, what does cancer mean to a seven-year-old? I don't so we kind of just especially when you like yeah like when you have this it could go this way and it could go this way we we don't know the outcome just yet so hard to really put something concrete in their head it's it's when there's no answer really so yeah yes and so um we we basically told them what you know what they were seeing and and just basically like yeah daddy's getting care and that's where you know we kind of um stayed with it and then up until november of um 2020 when we had exhausted all of the chemotherapies and it was becoming clear that um the images that they get you know to scan the brain were not clear about like what was happening for a long time and then it finally Mm -hmm. kind of crystallized at that time and the doctor was like okay let's start having some hard conversations because we we now know what's going to be what's what's next and there's no there's no like you know question anymore so that's when that's when ken actually had a very like i mean he had the conversation with the kids i was obviously there but it was like he handled it and i was just so proud of him because i was not able to do it no um and it was just like 
I think that that's really important. I think to be obviously upfront with your children, but I think it also is important to do it in a way and a time that like is appropriate as well. And so um, that, that was at that moment, like in November that that happened. Um, And, and also the rest of the family too. We also started to be extremely open about it as well in terms of like, okay, you know, this isn't, this isn't going to be something we can turn around. So, right. Okay. Um, yeah. So let's talk about when COVID happened mm-hmm. because this is literally just six months after your life has turned one way, opposite way. And now it's just a total train wreck. So what was that time like though for you guys in, in the house, like with the kids being there and everything? You know, it's funny at first it's like, well, now we're all together, you know? And like, he's not going to work like he's working remotely. The kids are here in the house and we're together. So mm-hmm. that actually was kind of nice. And so um, there's not a lot of distractions. There's, um, you know, he's a, he was a very creative person. So he made like an obstacle course for them in the backyard. Like they would do like make little movies, you know, for people's birthdays. So we would make little stop motion movies or we would do green oh, screen things. No way. Like, it was like, it was really kind of a creative time, like for everybody to kind of just like, well, we're in the house. What can we do? What do we have yes. here? Like, and, um, and it. so it, it was really neat. Like, in some ways, like we have these things that we, you know, that will live on forever that have um, like these meaningful memories attached to yes. them. And um, so that was nice. Like we, we didn't get obviously to travel, like we did the Disneyland trip and then nothing. Um, but, you know, we just took long walks in our neighborhood and yeah, you know, just got, yeah. just got pretty creative. And that, that was uh, the, that was 2020, I guess. I mean, what a blessing though, right? I mean, just to have that time together where he can, he can engage in those creative uh, projects with the kids and and have those memories too, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, wow. So you Uh, told, yeah, yeah, you told me at the time that uh, um, you were just kind of juggling everything. Of yeah. course, keeping all the balls in the air and trying to do everything. And that um, you really had no idea just like how traumatic everything was after he after the time was when he passed. And um, and that you realized how much grief that you were holding in, just trying to keep everything up and running. So did, did it come a point just after where, you know, you had that sense of everything just crashing down at once after he passed, like when, when did it finally kind of hit you? You know? I mean, in those final weeks when things were getting really dire um, and, you know, he was not doing very well. And um, we had the 24 by seven caregiver here. The hospice people were coming by. I had one of my, one member of my family at all times up here. So like mm. we're in Seattle, but my family's in Portland. So we had, I had one person here all the time for the kids. Like I could just feel like I was in this box and it just kept getting smaller and just the keeping it together. Like I was aware of that. I was aware of how much pressure I was under and just like that. The fact that I had to keep, to keep, keep going. Keep going. Yeah. 
And you can tell it's still, it's still. I know. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, it's just, you don't know what your capacity is until it's tested. And I think that it just, in something like that, you just, there's no way to ever imagine. But you also know that there's nothing you can't stop. Right. Right. And, and I, I felt very um, privileged that I had, I had a help. I did have a lot of help despite the fact that I still felt under pressure, but like, it it was like the moment that it happened, like when he passed away, it was kind of like there was like this emptiness and, mm-hmm. and kind of like, okay, I don't, I don't, I, all these um, like little attachments all like, you know, um, clicked off. And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't have to do all this anymore. But then it was like this huge, um, like lack of something. Yes. This lack of this, this lack of having to hold it together. So it was like this opposite reaction as well too. But it really, it really showed me like how like over time, like that, 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 um, that parable about the frog in the hot water, like you just, you have no idea how hot that water really, really got. And, um, and so it, it was that right after that, just really realizing like, oh, wow, this, we've really been through th- something and I've really been through something. So um, yeah. I need, I need to really pay attention to that because this is, we are in a whole different world now. Um, obviously, but just in terms of my own like mental state and just physicality and just everything. Cause you know, all of it had been focused on Ken. You're just the machine that's keeping going. You're just the machine. Like there is no part of, or at least I, I, I haven't been in that experience, but I can imagine that it's like, you know, I, I don't have time to care for myself. I just don't, you know, so it's focusing on everybody else and, and trying to just, keep the machine going you know absolutely uh, yeah God. so it's um it's, well, th- thank it, you for sharing that I mean that especially the part about you know when he does pass away and then it's just kind of like what am I left with or okay I don't have to do that so now I have I do have time to do this and where I, I, I can imagine just like the the confusion because you have been on this <laughs> this train of just yes. going 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 and now what yeah like i can imagine that feeling but thank you for expressing it you know like that's i know a lot of people listening right now can relate to that you know now what feeling um, and putting pieces back together like i i wrote a piece about self-care and widowhood and i started it off with the beginning of humpty dumpty that that you know, nursery rhyme. And that fact that you feel like you're shattered into a million pieces, and then you have to figure out how to put it back together. And obviously, it's not going to be the same. And, mm-hmm. um, but that you you do need to put yourself back together, that has to happen. I mean, in order to move forward to, to yeah. be able to be meaningfully living. And so um, it was kind of starting to get that awareness. And what does that look like? how do I do this and making it up kind of as I went along because at the time I I didn't know much about like, I mean, there, there is obviously a lot of widow content that exists, but like, I did not know that. Yeah. And I had no idea where to look for this kind of information. So no, if you're not, if you're not in that world, you don't even know that it exists, right. You do feel very Mm -hmm. alone. You feel alone, but, uh, 
So we always talk about ways to honor our loved ones and keep their memories mm-hmm. alive and stuff. And so did you guys do anything to um, acknowledge his birthday or the, the, do you call it, what do you call it? A death anniversary or do you call it like a spirit day? What do you call <laughs> Do you guys call it anything? Uh, yes, I, I call it the death anniversary. Okay. I think that that's an apropos name, but before before that, like we, we have physical things too. Like, so um, we have a small table that could be either a shrine or an ofrenda, like whatever, like I'm Japanese. So I would call it a shrine, but it's kind of, it's a small little table with things on it that are his and his picture. And it's a place that we can focus, um, you know, we, when we want to think about him or put things that are meaningful. And then the other thing I did really early on is um, he had all these t-shirts, like funny t-shirts, mm. race t-shirts and stuff like that. And I had a seamstress um, make um, patchwork quilts for both kids that oh, basically nice. used all of the different like um, shirts and split them up equally um, so that each kid has like this, um, you know, this physical um, memento yeah. of their dad um, that they can, you know, curl up with and just have, I think. Um, so, so those are things we did kind of right, right out of the gate. And then in terms of observing, like in celebrating him, like, so the death anniversary, which is in late May, um, that's something that's like a celebratory. We eat a cookie, uh, by our fig tree because he, he loved the, the fig tree was his like baby, his third baby, I guess. And, um, (laughs) he loved all the figs that came off of it. So, um, we, that's what we did last year is we would, we, and he loved cookies. So we would go eat cookies out by the tree. Um, that's sweet. <laughs> and yeah, that's that. And that's very him. I think that's, um, yeah. he loves sweets, donuts, cookies. So anyway, um, <laughs> the kids like that particular, uh, ritual as well. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I mark the, the anniversary of his diagnosis because that's kind of the, the before and after inflection point of mm. like life before and then life dramatically after where our lives completely changed once he had that diagnosis. And, um, and so that's also at the beginning of September, which is coincidentally, of course, the beginning of the school year, which is also, you know, mm. out of control sometimes. And then it's also my eldest child's birthday. So it's, there's a lot oh, going wow. on at that time of year. So I have to be really like, I think, um, intentional about that. Um, and making sure that I don't overload myself um, because it affects me. Like it physically affects me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think about it. It's kind of in the ether, but then also like, I just notice I don't have the energy I normally have for yeah. the rest of the year. And it just, yeah, it's, I I've, I've read about that uh, where just grief sometimes decides to make itself known. And that's what happens at that time I of know. year for me. Isn't that so weird? It's like your body yeah. knows and all of this subconscious thoughts and think oh, you're not even really thinking about it, but your body is just kind of like off. Yeah. Um, so what, what do you do for yourself, you know, in terms of self-care and just, I guess, being a little bit easier on yourself? Like, what do you mm-hmm. do to, around that time? Um, well, definitely leading up to that time, um, I'm more... I will be more careful about not scheduling too many things together. I made a mistake last year and ended up putting too many things close together and that blew up in my face. So um, I have. Did, were you just, lesson. were you just trying to just like a distraction method or something like, 
I'm going to do this and I'm going to go here. And I'm going to, like, I tend to do that. I, I tend to do that. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. I hear you. And also the confluence of all these really great events, which just right. happened to be in September. So it's just like, um, but, you know, I think uh, one of the things that was really important to me, especially right after Ken's death was I kind of formed a wellness team. And so basically, um, you know, that can look like anything, but, you know, I have like a, a masseuse and an acupuncturist and a naturopath and mm. my, and, and a physical trainer. And I realized that that's not everybody's situation, but for me, it felt like I need to have a team around me that's helping me uh, really focus on wellness because I have so neglected it for so long. And I know that those things, particularly for me, help a lot. And um, so, you know, like, so in regards to like the death anniversary or sorry, the diagnosis uh, yeah. anniversary, I would, schedule things schedule my appointments like probably kind of close to those dates to make sure that I, I feel supported love yeah. this idea this is this is like uh, one of the best ideas that I have a wellness team <laughs> everybody needs to establish a wellness team I love it I Yay. love it yes thank you for that suggestion have, get your team together and yeah um, and for those times of the year when you, when you need to yeah. rally everybody. <laughs> so like a pit crew, a pit crew, like at NASCAR or something. <laughs> yes. So did you find that your, okay, so your friendships change at all? Mm. Like as far as, you know, leaning into your friends and who could be a part of maybe part of your team and support. Did you feel like any of those friendships changed? I, you know, I feel so lucky that the community that we have here, um, again, like we don't live in the same city as our families. So um, it was all of our friends who basically were with us and around us. And so they were, they were wonderful. And so I, I am very grateful for that. Um, as I move forward into my widowhood, I did notice that like some of my friends, you know, who were all couples, they didn't really know what to do with me anymore mm -hmm. you know it's like and I, when I say not to do what to do with me it's kind of like I'm an I'm an odd little entity now I'm by myself you know and and it's like oh, yeah I can go out with like the couple and me so it's like three of us and like that's fine but it is also a little it's a little strange and so like and the things that we talk about are a little you know it's like things that were starting to become mm -hmm. like my daily experience were not something that they could really relate to so I was finding that um, it was a little harder to find the same connections that I once had, like socially, but obviously like they wanted to support us and they wanted to be there for us. So I, mm. I completely recognize that, but I, I definitely was looking for something like, you know, where can I find people who kind of understand better what I'm going through? And luckily um, there was this widow social group here in Seattle that had just kind of started and, um, and it's all Gen X like age people, mm -hmm. which is also incredible. Like when you think about it, cause you, cause yes. I think originally I thought I was alone, like I'm so young and there's not very many people like me, but then like, when you start to connect, you realize it's actually a lot of people that are the same age that are also in the same situation. So it was really kind of just such a, um, special thing to find this group of people who we could go out, do social things, go to restaurants, go to events. We could do stuff with our kids. And it just was like, there was not any weirdness. 
Right. And if someone was having a moment, we all got it, understood. Um, also, like some of the gallows humor that sometimes gets tossed around, like that would not, I don't think, fly very well with like Makes the normies. Other people you know? so uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. it just, um, it, it was, it, it remains a, a really great source of um, support. And um, in fact, I'm going to be. It, it, it was so it? funny because there are groups on Facebook. Um, and and this was just like within a regional widows group that was just basically like on, on Facebook, they just talked to each other. But then there was a subgroup that was in Seattle that was, um, hey, let's get together and do something. And so okay. that was a smaller subgroup of that. And um, and that's that's just been really fun because actually, like, I'm a big tabletop gamer. And so we have a games, a widow games group. And so we do that. In fact, we're going to do that this Friday. <laughs> um, and uh, it's so fun. It's just like, <laughs> it, it just, it really has given me this sense of kind of lift. So like I have obviously my friends, my neighbors um, from, from, you know, a long time. And then these new friends who just know me as I am now as a widow. Mm-hmm. And so there is something about that. That's actually really uh, gratifying because I am definitely a different person since mm-hmm. going through the loss of Ken and the trauma and, and all of those things and the growth that happened after that. So I feel like these people really know me right now. Yeah. And I think that that's really important because I feel just, you know, wholly seen and, and embraced in that way. So, yes. Oh, I love it. Um, what a great group. That's so, that's so awesome. Um, I, I know it's, there's, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like that feeling of just being so understood, <laughs> right? Like they get it, they get it. And yeah, you yes. can, you can make those jokes and they will laugh and you don't have to feel uncomfortable, but um, <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So you mentioned changing. Yes. Grief will do that. It will change us for yeah. sure. So how do you feel like you have changed as a person? You know, I think, watching someone as full of life and just, you know, healthy and just all of this go through something so horrifying as cancer. Um, you know, that, that makes you really realize that, you know, time is not guaranteed and that, um, things can change like in an instant. And the other thing too, is that, after diagnosis, Ken was extremely um, just always leading with gratitude. He was, he was always talking about that, like grateful for the life he had. And just, I thought like that is such a great attitude. And the fact that you just, you need to live, you need, you need Mm -hmm. to, you need to just go out there and do the things you want to do and, and be good to the people that you love and just, you know, not hold back. And I think that that kind of, um influence like it kind of opened me up so I thought like yeah like what am I waiting for what you know I I need to be the real person who I am my authentic person and so um I think that's what happened um and also you know obviously going through that much trauma as well and then being able to um articulate feelings which I think you know I was trying to be kind of stoic I was trying to be kind of holding it in try to like let's just get Mm -hmm. through this and then um I think that that only goes so far and then you need to really confront the emotions and the feelings and the and what's happened and yeah and uh and that changes you as a person as well but 
Yeah. You know, I, I think that just not <laughs> the other thing too, is I just don't have a lot of buffer left anymore. It's kind of just, I don't, I'm not going to tolerate like kind of this, the shenanigans anymore. It's like, okay, this, if like a, a relationship or, you know, relationship or a friendship or some kind of interaction isn't working. It's like, I'm going to be honest about yeah. like what's happening for me or what I yeah. see. And then, um, you know, if this isn't really working out, then, you know, you walk away, you don't prolong things that aren't right. working. So, yeah. right. You're like, nope, not working for me. I'm, I'm going to move on. <laughs> like, yes. You definitely have a different um, tolerance for nonsense, I guess. Right. <laughs> and um, you see authenticity when you see authenticity, you like go right for it too. When yeah. I see that in someone, I'm like, I'm like, you're the real deal. Yeah. And I <laughs> am, I support and celebrate that too, because I think that it's hard sometimes to be authentic in this world. And so, um, you know, people, I think you need to embrace that as well. I feel like one of the things that that happens in widowhood is that we can we can judge, not judge, but like we can kind of judge people better. Like we can see yeah. that you are authentic and no, you're not for me. And, you know, like it kind of opens up your eyes to that in yeah. other people. You can you can really read people better. I feel like anyway, that's that was um one of the things. <laughs> OK, so we're we're going to move on a bit. We're going to move okay. on to, to 2022 and you took a really big chance. You got on match.com. <laughs> yes, so, I did. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on dating again? Tell us about that experience. <laughs> okay. I, I could feel towards the end of 2021 that I was really lonely. I really, I, I had not really met the widow group yet. And I'd also just been like, God, I would really love to just have a person to tell jokes to or like share memes or, you know, just, I'd love to give an adult male perspective on things, you know, (laughs) and I just, I just missed that. And so that's all I was really looking for. I kind of just said, I just want someone to go to the shows with, I want to be able to go out to dinner. Like I, that was low bar. It was just, let's just do that. Um, And match.com was something I had done way back in 2002 um, when it was first like <laughs> when it was, you know, and um, I thought, well, I guess I'll just go back to the source, you know, just right. see like what, uh, what's going on now. Because I'd obviously, you know, you hear things, but you're like, Oh, what's this world all about? Like, I have no idea. Yeah. Um, so I worked on my profile and what's funny is my brother who had been more recently on the, the dating apps. I actually, he was my dating coach. So I would like send him my <laughs> profile and he's extremely like, dry humor and he would be like uh like are you a robot like actually put some words in here that actually like show some of your personality so it was really it was really funny um to do that as a sibling project but anyway so i put up my profile and i had originally thought like you know i'll go after guys that are like ken you know like the same kind of you know basic uh age um education uh experiences um you know, yeah. just profile backgrounds and stuff like that. And um, a lot, most of them were divorced dads, like that were unmatched. Um, but what I was finding is that they weren't like, they weren't really interested in me. <laughs> and I was just like, wait, what? Like, what's happening? Um, now I put, I did put widow on my profile because I, I was, was like, that's ask you about the- that. That's yeah, that's, 
tricky. I just felt like I want to be upfront. Like this is, this is who I am or, th- or this is what, what has happened to us. Mm-hmm. And so I want to be transparent. I mean, that's, the, I think that goes back to the authenticity. It's like, well, if you can't handle that, then it's like, whatever. Right. Um, so I, I don't know if that's a big flag. I think I, I hear varying things about men and women, men versus women on, on dating apps and whether that's a, a red flag or, or green flag or whatever. Um, but I, I was just like, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, so about two weeks in, I got this really well-written message from this guy in Wisconsin. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. You know, and he mm-hmm. was referencing things in my profile and he um, had a lot of interests that we, that I, we both had. Um, I also noticed he was about 10 years younger than me. And I was like, oh, okay. So then I was just really <laughs> like, I was like, you know, that's so nice that you wrote okay. to me. But it's, <laughs> But, you know, it just doesn't, I don't know, it just didn't seem like this is, this has a lot of like, uh, you know, probability of, of, of happening. So like, thank yeah. you for writing and stuff like that. And then just before I, I kind of had thought like we had kind of like, see you later. Yeah. Um, he, had, he had mentioned like, oh, you know, if you ever want to play a game on BGA, which is a platform where you can play tabletop games online. Um, he's like, um, let me know. Um, they have the game, your favorite game on there. And I didn't know that. Oh and I was my like, God. Oh, they do. They do. I was like, yeah, I'd love to play that game with you. And because, like, that was like one of the things I wanted was just someone to interact with and do that stuff. So he and I started playing just games online, and we would like text in the chat, like not even like talking, just like typing, like AOL Messenger (laughs) or something. I don't. It was just so funny. Um, And then we finally got to the point where we actually like had a a video chat or an audio chat going while we were playing the game, and so we'd just be talking and bantering and like. It was just great banter, like great jokes. And um, and then we'd send like memes and videos and songs and stuff back and forth to each other. And um, yeah. and before you know it, it's like a couple months has gone by. And um, and meanwhile, the dating on the dating app, it's just like <laughs> nothing is happening. Like it's just like this is like mm. what's going on here? And ah. and it was it was about April. So January is when he initially wrote to me April I just kind of like sat up one day and I just like went do I like this guy like (laughs) oh my gosh um (laughs) and so and that's how that started and um and so then um you know we were doing you know zoom or facetime chats and um obviously writing back and forth playing games talking on the phone and so he's like yeah um I'd, I'd love to meet you in person. And um, so then. And uh, then you're like, what? Is this really I was just happening? like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and my family is just like, oh my God, oh my God. And, um, and I said, I said, I know, I said, but there's just something about him. Like, again, authenticity. When you, yeah. when you kind of get that thread of it, it's like, I mean, you can't totally be sure until you actually do meet someone in person. But I, I was just really getting this really good kind of feedback and vibe from just all the interactions I'd had with him. So finally, in August of 2022, he came out for a week to Seattle. You know, he stayed in his own Airbnb. My mm-hmm. kids were um, at a camp uh, that whole week. Um, and we just, um, I remember when he came in through the baggage claim 
And I was really nervous, but I was just like, okay, it's now or never. Like we're going right. to figure, we're going to find out right now <laughs> if this is going to work. And so like, I saw him, you know, with my eyes and then like, just, we just gave each other a huge hug right there in the baggage claim. And I was just like, yep, this is going to be okay. This is going to oh, be okay. That's and, awesome. um, Wait, so you also said, because Chris, his name is Chris, mm-hmm. Chris yes. is, he's also familiar with grief and he gets it. Yeah. So he has had experiences with loss where that certainly helped, you know, that bond, right? Yes. Uh, early on, we shared, um, so obviously I shared my story about losing Ken and he shared his story about when he was 19, his dad died of um, cancer. And, um, and he's an only child and, um, his mom lives in the same town that he does in Wisconsin. So it was, it was like, he understood what we were going through in many ways by having supported his mom and obviously experienced the loss of his dad himself. So I just was like, so appreciative of his just emotional intelligence about grief, about understanding like, um, you know, like how grief works, which is, you know, kind of random. Uh, Also um, it's intense. Sometimes it's also like um, it affects other things. It can change. It can change who you are. I I just was so appreciative that he really understood that. And he also understood what losing a parent was like. So he also could relate to my children in a way um, and by the way, it was so good with my kids. He doesn't have kids of his own, but like, I was just so struck by how he, as someone who doesn't have kids or is really around kids very much, he just treated them with such respect and um, just had a way with them that even I've not seen with some dads that I know, like, I just was yeah. like, this is so amazing. And I just, you can't, you can't predict that. No. And I, I just feel like that's just, you get that, that card or you don't. Um, so, I definitely um, feel like a, a lot of that behavior and that closeness is because he, he knows what they feel like. I mean, he's, he's yeah. lost, he lost his dad too. So he can put himself in that position and know what that feels like and feel that connection, you know, from, from the very beginning. Yes. So yeah, that's, that's amazing. Okay, but I need to talk to you about the Wisconsin part because (laughs) (laughs) because this is the situation that he is on the Mm -hmm. other side of the country. But, okay, we talked about this, that long-distance relationship works. It works. It does. Everyone listening who has doubts about this. Tell me how that played out in your mind when you were like, oh, he's on the other side. You know, I can't, you know, I can't open up my life to this guy. That's not going to work because he's too far away. Like, did that even cross your mind? Or were you like, I don't even care about the distance part. How did that come into play? It was really one of those things where, you know, as a a grieving widow, like I'm trying to process things. I'm trying to reestablish my household. I'm trying to support my children. I'm trying to do all the things that widows have to do in that time after. And so I need, I needed space, but I also really wanted this companionship and this, you know, this person as well. So it was like the best of all worlds. Like I had the space to do it, to, to figure stuff out and to keep my, household like you know the way we needed it to be 
And, um, and yet I had this person who was supportive and, um, and also like, I had never been to Wisconsin until that point. So like now we're flying out there and I'm seeing a a different part of the country and experiencing new things and stuff. So it was like this, um, you know, we both are really good communicators. Like he, we're, I'm a writer. He's a, he's a writer as well. And so like, you know, um, we had to spend a lot more time like expressing ourselves through either writing or like verbal mm-hmm. verbalizing it. But, mm-hmm. you know, it really helped us work on like some of those things that maybe sometimes get um, shortchanged when you're in a, you know, when you're more in the same proximity, um, you know, like talking about like experiences and feelings and being able to articulate like, Oh, that doesn't, I don't, I don't understand what you're saying or like that doesn't resonate with me or like, and, and really being able to form a really deep connection and a, and a, a bond that maybe is more intellectual, but at the same time, Mm -hmm. like, I really understand you. I really um, have gotten to know you as a person. And then like when we're together, it's like, it is a lot of fun to just be physically together. And like, um, and it obviously is different experiences. We can go places and do things and stuff like that, but it's um, it really helped build a very um, solid foundation, which I think we're still doing because we're still apart, but like he was just actually here. He just left on Tuesday Really? Um, and uh, we had a great visit. So great. It was really fun. They're never long enough, you know, right. that's, that's the feeling I always have. Right. Like, oh, it's never long enough. But, you know, you just, I just really cherish the time that he's here when I'm there and we can, you know, focus on each other. And I think that's the other thing that sometimes happens is like when you're used to someone being around, you're kind of like, oh, I'm going to go do my own thing or I'm, you know, so the time you're maybe spending together is not like super intentional. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I feel like our time together is very intentional. And, um, and I think yeah. that that's something that I, on this side of widowhood, I definitely have prioritized. I think that that's super important to be intentional and present with people. And I maybe was not so good at that before. So yes, yes. So anyone out there listening that is doubting a long distance relationship. I know I've talked about this before on the podcast, but that was my experience. We have a very similar experience and it worked for me too. It was such a great balance of having that time to myself and that time with the kids or, you know, just being able to be in the present moment and focus on, focus on the kids, focus on our life and our processing our grief, and then still have this other part of me that I am trying to now move forward with my life and, and welcome new things and new experiences and new people. And I, it's such a great, it's a great thing to do. I'm just saying. (laughs) Yeah. That that could change. It could change in the future. Obviously like that's, I think that's the hope is that we will be at least in the same time zone at some point. Right. Um, but, you know, again, there's not pressure for that because we can operate this way. And and I think that it's still, it still does everything it needs to do. And obviously I miss him, but at the same time, I just feel all the things that we've done up to this point to just make sure that. Another um, thing that we did talk about was this idea of a, you know, traditional lifestyle and what that looks like. And now you're kind of open to more different ways of living, Mm -hmm. right? That sometimes a lot of people don't understand, but you guys are talking about a future together and what that looks like and where you're going to be. And is marriage even in the, in the picture? It doesn't have to be right. It doesn't, 
yeah. feel like it, they, like you said, there's no pressure for it to be a certain way, which is nice. I think that that's one of the things um, in terms of, I, I felt as I was coming up, you know, uh, through school and things, it's like, you know, you need to achieve certain things. You need to kind of check boxes. You need to have these certain milestones accomplished um, in order to be considered successful or to be, you know, considered a whole person. And, um, and there's not a lot of, at least to me, it didn't seem like there was a lot of variation there. It was just like, it looks like this. Yeah. And maybe Disney movie, Disney movies might have something to do with that too. But like, I just, um, <laughs> I just feel now in this time that um, it feels like everything just got, like the, the table got flipped over. And so now it's like, okay, what now what are you going to do? Or, or how's it going to look? And I'm noticing that like, you know, what is resonating? What is working? And with, Chris, I think that a lot of the the connection that I've really been wanting, that feeling of like having a person who's just really there, really understands like the pro the, the you know what we've gone through and and can articulate his feelings and just is just solid. Like there is just something about that that like it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't need to be um it doesn't have to look any specific way. Like the fact that we have that, I'm just like, oh my gosh, that's yeah. That's amazing. And I'm yeah. so grateful for it too. Because the other thing, like when we talk about time being assured or not, like, you know, you don't, you're not guaranteed anything. So it's like, does what I have right now, is that fulfilling? Is that good? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not going to get so stuck on what it needs to look like or yeah. what um, society expects it to be. Like, yeah. I am just going to keep moving forward with like, is this working? Is this authentic? Is it um, making me happy. Yes. And yeah. So that's, that's, I think what I'm love leading it. with. Yes. Yeah. And, and of course, then the other thing, of course, we all have aging parents. And so like, how do we navigate mm. that? That's a whole nother thing. But like, so I'm, I'm keeping that in mind. As soon as I get my kids launched, it's like, okay, now <laughs> am I <laughs> another, so, um, another step in life. Right. Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I am so happy for you. I love how I love your approach to things. I do. I, I, I feel like we are similar in some of the, the things that have happened, but yeah, having this, this outlook and being kind of laid back about it and not having any expectations. I think that has a lot to do with, with our happiness. I did want to uh, ask a final question. Okay. Well, okay. And I wanted to mention too, that you are mm -hmm. also a contributing author in Jenny List's book, Widowed Parents Unite. So I wanted to yeah. congratulate you for that because you have a couple of things written in there. You you talk about a little bit about the ways that like you had mentioned before, the little table that you guys set up and, but you also have other places that you do your writing. So can you please tell us like where we can find your writing and your articles and things like that. So we can read some of your works. Yeah. Um, I write for a, um, an online and physical uh, magazine here in Seattle called parentmap.com. And they have lots of great um, ideas about, you know, for parents and for doing things with kids. Um, some of it's regional for Seattle, but some of it's just very general too. And I've contributed a little bit more um, stuff about widowhood and being a widowed parent um, on that particular platform. Um, Cause I think that's important to have, yes. to have awareness of that, even in places that aren't specifically about widowhood. Um, so parentmap.com. And then um, I also kind of have this, I have a blog that is sort of random at this point, but that is where I kind of collect all of these different things too. And that's called evidentlyblog.com. So it's just 
the word evidently blog in one word. Okay. Well, I will put those links in the show description so everyone can find you and, and read your articles. I'm so excited. <laughs> but thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for sharing and, and just opening up. I know a lot of this stuff is very, very difficult to talk about. Um, so I really appreciate it. I appreciate the openness and the honesty and just coming from the heart. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for sharing these stories. It's really as a as a widow in the beginning looking for other people's stories it was so helpful to find things like this because i just didn't feel as alone and yeah. um so thank you for the work you do oh <laughs> thank you um all right kaylee well um i will keep in touch and we will talk soon here are the takeaways from kaylee number 1 kaylee's husband ken was diagnosed with glioblastoma and ultimately passed away in 2021 Kaylee gives some good advice about having conversations with kids, and she says it's really important to be upfront with your children, but to do it in a way and a time that is appropriate. Number two, Kaylee and the kids focused on ways that they could celebrate Ken. They have a special table set up in the house with pictures, and that's where they hang up his Christmas stocking. Kaylee had quilts made for each of the kids with his shirts, and each spirit day that comes up, they eat cookies by the fig tree in the backyard. Number three, Kaylee said always around the spirit day is when she notices that physically she just gets run down and she has less energy. So she's learned not to overschedule things around that time of year. Number four, right after Ken's death, Kaylee formed a wellness team. Y'all, I love this idea. She had a masseuse, an acupuncturist, a physical trainer, all kinds of people. This is genius, okay? She felt like she needed a team of people that she could call on when she was struggling. Number five, Kaylee noticed she was feeling disconnected from her normal social group and from her friends. So she found a local widows group that changed her life. And with them, she was able to just kind of be her her true self. Number six, some of the ways that she has changed and grown as a person, she says she's more authentic. She expresses her feelings more now than she did before. And she doesn't really hold things back like she used to. She lives with gratitude and she has less tolerance for nonsense. I think we can all relate to that one. Number seven, Kaylee took a big leap and got on Match.com where she met Chris. They started a long-distance relationship and have been happily dating ever since. Kaylee said that your relationship doesn't have to be in a traditional sense or look a certain way. Do what works for you. Number eight, Kaylee writes for ParentMap.com and on her blog at EvidentlyBlog.com. So go and check those out. And last but not least, it is the end of February. It's crazy how fast time is going. Don't forget to join us in the March Miracle Month program. I think this is our best program yet, and I am so excited to get started next Monday, March 4th. So get all the information that you need at widow180.com forward slash miracle month. That's widow180.com forward slash miracle month. And I'll see you next Monday. 
Hey, if you're a widow and you're ready to become a master of your life again after losing your spouse, I want to invite you to join my Miracle Month program starting Monday, May 6th. I am so excited to be bringing this life-changing program to you and so many other widows. This is a four-week group coaching program where each week we will focus on what it takes to help you heal after loss and move forward to create a life that you truly love and deserve. If you feel stuck in grief, if you feel like there is so much more to life than the way that you feel right now, if you are ready to make some changes to become the next version of you, you know you want more. You know you want to be happy again and feel complete again and embrace life again, then this Miracle Month is for you. I'm going to be sharing things that worked for me and things I've learned from coaching hundreds of other widows, how you can begin to take the steps to rebuild your life through interactive exercises and group discussions. It's the magic of the energy of the group and also the mechanics of the steps you need to take to start creating a life that you love and adore. It's an amazing combination of all of it. If you are ready to take the steps, make the plan, take the action steps you need to live a life of meaning and purpose to meet your full potential, then grab your spot in the Miracle Month. Now is the time. We kick off on Monday, May 6th, so get in now. Go to widow180.com forward slash Miracle Month. That's widow180.com forward slash Miracle Month.